Hi, everyone. You're listening to PR Hangover, a bi-weekly public relations podcast and talk show hosted by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter and me, Hunter Buren. Sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast today. We're going to start out by having our guest introduce himself. Thank you. Uh, my name is Dino Baskovic. I am a professor here in the School of Communications, Grand Valley State University, and I teach courses for the Advertising and Public Relations, our APR major. Um, currently, I teach Technology in Public Relations and Advertising. That's our CAP 105. Really fun course, loads of tech. And I've also taught our Fundamentals of Public Relations course as well. All right. So this podcast today, we're going to kind of focus on 105. So we're going to just dive right into that. Um, Why do you think it's so important to keep up with the technology in our field, just with 105 as a baseline, as all these students have to take for our major? It's a great question. So let me start by saying that, especially at the college level, all of our students here, and quite frankly, our faculty, just need to keep up with the latest stuff. And what I mean by the latest stuff is in terms of digital offerings, mobile, social, all the different platforms out there, whether it's hardware, whether it's software, we as professionals and communications practitioners need to have a better understanding of what these tools are and what the channels are so we can better understand how to use them. How we use them in the real world for the sake of our customers, our constituents, our stakeholder audiences as we learn in other courses, and how we connect individuals with brands, with organizations, and the like. And you've been a professor here since 2015, right? That is correct. So I'm an adjunct professor, and I just typically teach the one course, CAP 105, uh-huh. the technology course. So, yeah. so do you think um, the way you've taught in these past two years has, has changed here? Do you think you've been learning as you've been going, as we are learning, as we are going as well? So I probably have changed my syllabus every single time I've taught the course. Uh-huh. Um, to be clear, um, for all the different professors that teach CAP 105, we all work off of what's called a syllabus of record and SOR. So we, across the board, have to make sure that we're thematically teaching the same core concepts and principles. Uh, The biggest one as well, that we make sure all the students are learning different facets of Adobe Creative Suite or Creative Cloud, Uh okay? So that won't change course to course. Um, Typically what I will do is then alter my course depending on what I feel based on my years of experience, um, what our budding professionals need to be learning that semester, not even that year. That's just how fast the technology can change. So I may vary my projects. I may do a heavy video project one semester. And then if I feel I want them to focus on podcasts or analytics, I may salt the taste accordingly. So how do you yourself find out about new and emerging technologies in our field? Because I know there's so many out there and it's so difficult to keep up with everything. It certainly is and there's no one good answer. So everyone's methods for learning and and, and self-exploration will be different. I can just tell you what I 
typically do uh-huh. and what I'll advise my students to do. Um, the biggest thing is to just get your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves and play with this stuff. Um, so just learning the software, learning if you're wanting to become better at social media marketing, um, you know, logging on to your account more than once a week or a month, you know, actually play with your profiles, get onto different networks as they're becoming available in beta or, or to the mainstream, actually use them, um, read up on how to use them. There's tons of articles and blog posts and, and, and podcasts and, and self-help video tutorials. Um, there's lectures, there's labs, there's webinars, all pretty much free if uh-huh. you just know how to use Google, right? Yeah. Um, I like to stay networked as best as I can. So, you know, how we stay networked varies. Um, that could be joining a professional group like a PRSSA or, or, or an ad club. Um, there's just tons of them out there. There's different meetup groups. It's not just, you know, going to those different events and learning about uh, whatever topic a speaker may have that night, but to follow that speaker for years to come. So I've actually um, made some pretty good connections with speakers past and present, I, which has led myself to have speaking opportunities. Um, and I follow them. Some go on to be authors. Um, some go on to become professors all themselves. So we're all just constantly learning from each other. Uh-huh. Um, there's certainly lots of good trade publications online and off that I follow. Um, Twitter, quite frankly, tends to be just a fire hose of headlines and knowledge and memes and a lot of garbage too. But, yeah. you know, Twitter, if nothing else, really helps me stay up to date with all the different headlines for the industry, what I need to know, people that I follow and influencers. So I know that's a long stream of uh-huh. answer, yeah. but it's it's that's my answer. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different things out there that there's obviously going to be so many different places that you would learn about them. I know um, for myself, I follow Adweek on Twitter and I go through theirs and we actually just had some GVSU alum on Adweek about, it was uh, about National Coming Out Day. So that was really interesting to learn. And I feel like a lot of those other trade publications like Adweek and Pure Weekly and everything else, are those are good ones too as well. Yeah, those are fantastic. I will also typically follow um, like Wired Magazine, for example. Oh, yeah. Um, they've been, Fast Company is another one. You know, those are old school names um, in the media biz when it comes to tech journalism. Uh, but those types of trade publications and their websites and all their offshoot blogs and video casts and whatnot, um, they're just very rich with information from the experts. Um, I'm learning about innovation and experimentation and, and mass media and marketing and journalism and PR and, and on and on and on. So just constantly embracing and absorbing and surrounding myself with all of that content. It just makes me a better user, curator, creator of content, and then thusly a better a better professor. <laughs> at, oh, least, yeah. at least my students um, expect me to be. So. Uh-huh. So um, in this field right now, what, what would you say are some of the most underrated ad and PR tech out there? So you're going to laugh, but I tend to have more of an analog answer for that. Okay. Um, take, for example, just this week alone where we learned, um, if you've been keeping up on, on the news, 
uh, that there's a Wi-Fi standard that's been found to uh, uh, be imperfect and, and has obvious flaws that can be exploited by hackers. Uh-huh. Uh, the point of that is if you use Wi-Fi publicly, you may be putting yourself at risk of exposing sensitive data. So what do you take away from that as a communications practitioner? Um, and your question is, well, you know, what are the underrated technologies out there? And I really favor paper notebooks. Okay. Yes, paper notebooks. So there are plenty of apps that you know, help you take notes. There's Evernote, there's OneNote. Um, these apps are nothing new. But as far as the immediacy of being able to just digest and record information, especially in a classroom environment, um, I find just traditional note taking is a lost art. Yeah. And you know whether I'm in a classroom, I'm at a uh, you know a symposia presentation, wh- wherever it is, whatever I'm doing, I like to scribble as fast as I can, just keeping up with the speaker, taking those nuggets of of information and, and wisdom and knowledge with me, and recording those, and then I can take those paper notes and drawings and scribbles, and I can later synthesize those. I can then go into my OneNote and my Evernote or you know uh-huh. whatever digital doohickey you know that I'm using at the time, and then better record my thoughts, my perspectives. I could even just scan those notes. Okay. Ultimately, if I lose my online life because some hacker got the best of me, or I've just lost my password, or I can't access those. Yeah. Oddly enough, I have access to notebooks. And I can't carry them all with me, obviously. And yes, they could one day be lost in a fire or flood. But I have those. I don't have to log on to those. I don't have to do anything other than just open and read them. And they're just blissfully simple and fantastic. So I I favor a lot of the the analog technology. And I think that's what we have to remember is still very relevant. Um, I also want to talk about our school newspaper, The Lanthorn. And just walking to this interview today, as I'm walking in front of the library, there's a kiosk where we can all grab a free issue of the Lanthorn, the paper copy, and there it is on the front page um, that our IT help desk has discovered that some students are using their college accounts, email, whatever, for commercial use. So while that's an issue for IT to, to mitigate, one thing that tells me is, Hey, we, as a student body, as as a, as a, as as people in just this university alone, are really beginning to embrace technology to the point where we want to take it to the next level. We need to be following rules here, but the point is, people are starting to use this stuff more. I discovered that from just walking by a physical kiosk with a paper newspaper. Yeah. So again, never to underestimate the analog world. Yeah, so that kind of transitions into one of the questions that I was wondering. Um, do you believe that people moving away from traditional media is good, or do you think we're moving away too fast? We think. Do you think we need to still look back and still use some of these things because some people aren't have fully transitioned already? Sure, and there are some technologies that to this day I don't understand why they continue to exist. The fax machine won't die. You know, uh-huh. and I, I, I laugh at that. Um, like that to me seems like one of those technologies that probably needs to go. But then again, 
I may not be in the industry where a fax machine is quite frankly very necessary. If you talk with people in law enforcement, um, they still like those things for, for different reasons. I'm a big believer in harmony. Uh-huh. Harmony, so think about that for a second. We as professional communicators, part of our very existence is to build and bridge relationships yeah. between entities and end users, stakeholders. They're all people, right? And in doing so, we're building trusted relationships. Now, in the old days, there really wasn't a lot of media technology out there. You had a few radio stations, TV stations. Uh, you know, your your choices as, as a user were limited. Um, but the media, and by extension, PR and advertising, largely controlled mass media technologies. Yeah. Today, it's a little different. I think the reverse is true. I think that our viewers, our listeners, our readers, our subscribers, again, people, okay? I think they have more of a command and a control of technology, especially with mobile devices, um, than the media does in, in our profession. So we need to, again, maintain those trusted relationships and maintain that harmonious relationship so I'm looking for harmony. So we have to stay up to date with the technology that our own end users are using and that's part of maintaining that bridge of trust, maintaining that harmony. Uh-huh. So with all of these different media um, sources and with um, just 105 in general, I know that there's a lot of topics that that class covers and I know that there are a lot of different things that we can learn in tech in our industry alone so do you think that it's important do you think it would be better for someone to learn maybe one or two technologies to the best of their ability or learn a whole slew of technologies that they can use well the age-old question to be a jack-of-all-trades or just a master of two or three uh-huh. and and I think in the beginning, I firmly believe that at the early stages of building a foundation for a career in communications, you should be exposed and expose yourself to as many technologies, as many types of platforms as possible to get the best sense of what's out there, what you're good at, what you might like doing, what you may like to pursue. So in CAP 105, We'll do some podcasting. We'll do some video production. We'll do a little bit of web design and mobile to a degree. We'll talk about analytics and specifically Google Analytics and how that compares and contrasts to other types of analytics packages. Uh-huh. We'll talk about the different newswires. We'll talk about media trading desks. We'll talk about AI and IoT and blockchain and VR and AR and all the fancy acronyms of the day. Mm-hmm. And we expose our students to all of those things as best we can. It's then incumbent upon them as they traverse throughout the early years and, and beyond of their career to decide what they want to be good at, what they want to pursue. So I may have a student that walks out of CAP 105 and five years later, they're coming back to do a lecture on augmented reality and, and VR goggles and what that means for for us as communicators. I may have another student that went and pursued video as you yeah. know, their, their, love, their love in life. So I think in the beginning, be varied, be the jack of all trades, but then start to master two or three and, and, and uh-huh. certainly master them well. 
So I know um, jack of all trades is something that you kind of try to do just while being a freelancer. What would you say are the main benefits and disadvantages of just working by yourself with clients? Sure, and for those listening, um, you know, I've been in the profession for 20 years and I've been in agency and corporate environments and I certainly teach here. Um, a good chunk of my career has been uh, that of an independent consultant, subcontractor, freelancer, and that's, uh-huh. uh, that's what I still am uh, to this day as well as teaching here. What that means is um, I am out there working 80 hours a week yeah. to avoid working 40 hours a week. It's the old saying. It affords me the true luxury of being able to manage my own schedule Um, pursue the kind of work that I want and I find engaging and intriguing and fulfilling. But that said, it is also incumbent upon me to go and find that work. I have to continuously maintain uh, what's called a book of business. I need to, you know, just staying up to date with the technology is important, but it's not enough. I have to maintain, you know, a good reputation with my work professionally Um, and personally, quite frankly. Uh Um, I have to be finding new work all the time, trying to um, keep work as long as I can. Um, And it's varied, too. So I may be doing some project work where I'm just doing writing and editing and and providing strategic counsel. Other work, I may be working on rebuilding a WordPress website. So, again, you know, it's varied. And to be a freelancer, especially in what's called the gig economy um, of today, um, it's varied, it's frenetic, it's frightening, and it's fascinating all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So um, finding clients as, like, as you are working by yourself, how do you do that? I mean, you've been working in the field now as a freelancer for a while, so I feel like you've built your reputation. But... Maybe as you branched off at the beginning, was it difficult for you to find people who would just come to you? Or did you think offering up that personal side of PR and advertising, if that was, did that help you? Sure. And boy, here's a podcast all its own and I could go on, you know, 20 years and a quarter buys me a cup of coffee. Okay. Uh So I have, um, I have the time in and the chops and the word of mouth, but you know, I'm, and any freelancer is really only as good as their last project. And that's a harsh reality that not everyone can take. So I find it beneficial, even at my stage of, of, of my career, um, to keep working with other freelancers, to offer myself up to other PR ad and marketing firms, um, you know, making myself valuable to those account teams, to those department and division heads, um, serving as staff augmentation. I will also look online to find jobs. There are not as many job postings out there as you would think when it comes to finding freelance work. There are sources out there that you can find it. I uh-huh. find more luck with word of mouth. For the first time, I want to be a freelancer. I want that side hustle. You're really just establishing yourself. That's where having done a lot of networking and then networking and then more networking and then meeting as many people as you can online and in real life. Um, that's, that's really big in the beginning as well as, you know, 
maybe taking on some projects that might be outside of your comfort level in terms of your uh-huh. capabilities. Um, but in the beginning, you're just trying to build that book of business, trying to find really any work you can um, until you get to a point where you can financially begin to support yourself. You can be more selective about the types of projects that you want to be working on. Um, and I will end this answer with this one caveat. Um, if there's any thing that you don't truly feel you can provide um, the right quality or what the job is owed, or you're just uncomfortable with the subject matter, um, you owe it to yourself, not just as a professional, but also as a person, just walk away from it. Yeah. Um, don't ever feel uncomfortable. It's okay to feel challenged and even a little unsure sometimes. Um, but really, you want to be taking on the projects that you know, fulfill you, not just financially, um, but intrinsically in, in many ways. So. All right. So working 80 hours a week, being a professor here, I know you do a lot. What do you think the next semester is going to be that you're going to teach at technology and at PR? Do you think there's going to be something coming up anytime soon? My big focus will be to further explore um, blockchain and crypto, um, artificial intelligence. And again, these aren't just fancy terms, jargon that we throw around lightly. As, as educators, as professors, you know, we look at these concepts and we, and we decide, is this something that's worthwhile bringing into the classroom? Not just to be flashy and impressive, because there's other avenues for, for finding those types of things, but how will this benefit professional communication? How will this benefit the budding PR practitioner, someone who wants to go work for an, you know, an ad agency as a creative, as a traffic or an account director? How does any of that apply? What does it mean for the world of mass media? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? So AI and blockchain, those are what I'm really excited about and I want to start to bring more knowledge to bear in the classroom. All right. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Yes. When I said we work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours a week, (laughs) uh, that goes for you corporate and agency types too. Um, I had the good fortune of working with a work-life consultancy not too long ago. And I must say, my, my biggest takeaway from that time was to better manage my own time, uh, just not for my sake, but for the sake of, you know, my own clients uh, on other projects, for my family and friends. We really need to find ways to reduce the information overload, reduce our own work overload. Um, Going back to the analog, you know, to supplement the digital and just find ways to to reduce our stresses. And again, that's a whole other podcast, but yeah. but uh, I would say definitely, you know, don't use the 80-hour thing as a bragging right. We should ultimately be working realistic schedules, and there are certainly technologies to help us do that. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I know I learned a lot. I'm hoping everyone else did. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule. Definitely. Thank you for having me. And if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, I am at sign Professor Dino. Again, thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and make sure to tune in next time for GBSU's PR Hangover with Hunter Buren.
Bye.